morning, everyone, and welcome to the Fredonia edition of Family Church, one of 10 locations meeting throughout New York, PA, and Europe, and pretty soon we'll just go ahead and get all the world, so we welcome and greet you this morning. Like I said before, during the summer, I, I love the weather. You know, you can't beat the weather in West New York. The only thing, you don't get to see your whole congregation until September. And so, you know, our, our people are so Christian, they take turns going to church. And so, you know, but, but I understand if there's a time to go on vacation, especially next week, we're going to have a glorious, glorious time. And so everyone's squeezing in their, their time off here. And so, but we're so thrilled for those of you who've come here this morning those of you watching, and uh, it is Family Church here in Fredonia, so we welcome each and every one of you. Uh, as our announcer said, it is First Sunday, what we do on First Sunday. Uh, things are a little different, of course, we have a couple of our kids come up and sing. Uh, don't they do a great job, amen? So you got to train them the way they should go, and I just love the ropes, you know, up there, and so brings unity and, and focus. And plus, it, it matches the building as well, more of a traditional building, praise the Lord. And so, uh, thank you, thank you for all those in the worship team. But uh, not only do we have the kids uh, sing, but we also choose on this day to partake of communion or the Lord's Supper. Jesus gave two ordinances to the church. He gave the ordinance of water baptism. That's something you do once you've been born again. But also he gave the ordinance of communion. Now communion is something that you do over and over again. Where water baptism is something you do once after being saved. And Jesus didn't tell us how often we are to partake of the Lord's table or communion. He just said this as often as you do it. He, he left it up to us. And so we know many churches that uh, do it every service, and that's good and wonderful. Uh, to us, if we did it every service, we just didn't want to tag it and just, you know, kind of bring it down. But uh, also there's other churches maybe just on Easter or Christmas. Well, that's kind of far in between and to be reminded of what Jesus did for us. So we, we've chosen once a month here as a good balance uh, during our family uh, day, our first Sunday. And so we're going to partake of communion. Now, for those of you that are visiting with us, um, maybe, you know, you've never had communion, or maybe communion was a little different, a little different in your old church where, where you've gone before. I know when I went to a church like this, I, I partook of it like I did in my old church, and I was the only one doing it, and I was kind of embarrassed, and so that's why I always uh, give instructions, especially when we have visitors here. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to call our servers to come forward, and we're actually going to serve you in the seats. And uh, we invite you to take a piece of bread and a communion cup and just hold on to it. And then we're going to partake together. Now, if you're here and you don't want to partake of communion, no questions asked, no problem. Just nod your head or give a sign to one of our, our servers and they'll pass you by. All we ask is once folks have received the emblems, just to, to hold it until we partake together. And use that time of personal confession, personal consecration, and communion. So without any further ado, if we can have our servers to come forward, please.
which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So at this time we ask you to take your bread. What I like to do is break it because this body's broken, but I also like to crush it because he was crushed with our sins, crushed with our sickness and infirmities. And so break it, crush it, and let's eat together. Oh, now my mic must have been on when I was singing. Oh my goodness, good thing. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> that is scary. I did see someone walk out. I thought maybe that's what they they got afraid of my god <laughs> you know and so uh, we're going to change service because of first uh sunday we have so much going on and normally i should shorten my message to accommodate everything else but you know how that goes never seems to happen so we're going to forego prayer and also because we have the licensing at the end and the kids gifts and also we want to update uh, you know our our records and so forth so that'll give us a little bit more time but to, we will uh, be praying tomorrow night at 6 30 p.m if you have your bibles i'm going to invite you we're going to look at two two openings uh first of all in first kings chapter 17 then we're going to look at 2 Kings chapter 4. And for those of you that are visiting or newer with us, uh, we encourage all of our people to bring their Bible and follow along. That way they get, become skillful in the Bible and they, and they become a participant in the service. And it seems like the Holy Ghost can minister more as you follow along and, and look at your own Bible. But if you're here and you don't have your Bible or you're not accustomed to bring your Bible church, we will endeavor to have the scriptures on the overhead screen. And just a reminder for those of you that are watching online, whatever we're doing here, you do there. We're praying, you pray. We're worshiping, you worship. If we're giving, you give. If we're opening up our Bibles, go ahead and open up your Bibles. You'll find out you receive such, so much more from the message. And so, 1 Kings chapter 17, a little bit we'll get there. Um, for the past three months, May, June, July, we've been on a series studying together about a supernatural supply. And uh, the main emphasis on that series is that God will take good care of us. No matter what is going on in the world, no matter what is going on with the economy, no matter what is on the shelves or not on the shelves at your favorite, favorite supermarket, that God will take care of us as his children and uh, we looked at the importance we have to think that way because if we're just simply looking at things unnatural we can get afraid we can get uh in fear and, and in doubt and wondering what we're going to do but uh, all through the bible we have precious promises and precious examples that god takes good care of his children and so but uh, we, we also saw that we have to make room for that we have to think that way that uh, we can't just do what we always done and expect God to move that we have to embrace his thoughts and ways Isaiah 55 says this that God says that my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are my ways your ways and so when it comes to God taking care of us God has thoughts of how he would like it done and he has ways that he wants to do it. But if we're just stuck with our own thoughts and ways, 
Uh, we're going to do our own thoughts and ways, and we're going to kind of shut God out. Um, we, we took for a main text is when Peter was asked about, does Jesus pay tax money? And he said, yes, and he, he began to think about something. And when he came to the house, Jesus said, Simon, Peter, what are you thinking on? So evidently, he was thinking wrong about the need and how to supply the need. And once Jesus corrected his thinking, uh, God was able to move supernaturally. Peter may have thought, you know what, I need to go to Judas. He's a treasurer. I need him to fill out a spending memo. I, I need to, you know, tell him this is how much his tax money is and then... And we'll, we'll take care of it the normal default way. And there's nothing wrong with that. And we, we primary, primarily operate that way, and we should. Uh, but uh, there, there's no God in the equation. There's no supernatural supply in the equation. If, if that is our default mode, and we immediately take care of things the way we know, the ways that we have, and the thoughts we have, God will be shut out. But when, when Jesus corrected Peter's thinking... He opened himself up to God's thoughts and ways. What was God's thoughts? God thought, go fishing, and when you catch a fish, there's going to be a gold coin or coin in the fish's mouth. That's how you paid the tax money. I don't think Peter was thinking that way. And so that's why uh, Jesus had to correct his thinking, because if he was just going to do what he's always done in his default mode of taking care of things, it would have shut God out. And so in these last days, we have to be open. You, you know, I think in the fall we get the school taxes, don't we? Yeah, no one wanted to agree with that. No, I rebuke you. Don't say that. Don't say that. And so, you know, maybe you're, you're saving up and you, and you know it's coming and that's good. You need to, 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 to do that. But be open. Say, Lord, you know, I, I could pay this. Is there some other way you want it paid? Uh, or he may just say, believe me, outside of the money that you have on hand that it will come in. Now, don't get me wrong, if the due date comes, make sure you pay your taxes, because you can't write no, well, I'm believing God. Well, you know, sometimes you can't put a time limit on it, but just what we're showing you is just be open up to the thoughts and ways of God. So we, we spent about three months looking at these things, and we looked, learned valuable, valuable lessons, lessons on it. And now, last week, we said we were done with that series. So I, I'm a man of my word. Uh, we're done with that series, but uh, it was very interesting. After the service last week, you know, I said something, man, I wish I had time to share along uh, something the Lord showed me, but we just didn't have time. And so uh, I was just searching, Lord, what, what should I share for this week? You know, we have the Ferguson's being licensed. It's first Sunday. We have the kids here. It's the week right before the Miracle Crusade. And so I, I want to make sure I, I, I hit the mark. But on the way, uh, after the service, I went up to Canada, being some meetings with my dear friend Randy Greer. On the way to Canada, it just kept coming to my heart. You need to share that which you wanted to share. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. And then we trust that it's going to be a blessing to you. Now, if anything, you know, it's not part of the Supernatural uh, Supply Series, but it definitely will be the whipped cream or the cherry on top. To, to, to end it, to finish it, praise the Lord. And so, without further ado, this morning, and I've never shared this, this morning I want to talk to you today about the tale of two women. My wife, no, no, um, 
See, some of you were zoned out, but when I said that, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> you may have heard uh, the novel by Charles Dickens, uh, Tale of Two Cities. You may have read it. I, I think I might have read it. I, I remember seeing the movie. You know, that's pretty famous. Uh, and also, I've had a message that I preached a couple of times, which was called The Tale of Two Men. The differences between Abraham and Lot. And, and, you know, the Bible is very clear. The decisions and the actions of these two men determine their destiny. One to greatness and one to great loss. And they're, they're in the Bible for our study and for our learning. And so we learn much about the tale of those two men. Well, in the spirit of equality. I mean, you know, that's big in the world, you know, equal rights. And so we, we've had the tale of two men, and this morning we are going to address, yes, the tale of two women. And so uh, this, this message actually came to me supernaturally. You know, many times when you're, you're a pastor, you know, you study, and, and you know this would help people, and in your study, you know, God helps you, and you communicate with people, and those are great and wonderful, and you preach those things over and over again, but there's times when the, the Lord reveals things you didn't know before, that you, you saw things in word, and, and, came, and this message came by revelation. How it came is, I was preaching in another church, and uh, very often when, when I go preach, I have a driver drive me, and they know on the way when I meet, I don't want to talk to anybody because I, I'm communing with the Lord. And so they learn sometimes if it's a long ride, they're, they're in silence as I'm praying, meditating before the Lord. But I, I, after I'm done preaching, uh, they're, they're allowed to ask questions, and, and many of them do, and we, we turn it into a, a, a mentoring session. So they'll ask me spiritual questions. And so on the, the way back from a meeting, uh, this, this individual was asking questions, and I'm not sure what some of the questions were, but it, it had to do with the Spirit of God and, and what He does and maybe being led to the Spirit of God. And somehow, uh, the topic of giving gave up, uh, came up. And this individual said, uh, does God very often tell you what to give to a ministry and give to the service? I mean, you know, that's a, that's a good question. You hear a lot of people say this, now give what God tells you to do. And I'd love to address that. If, and some of this message will, will address that. And I said something, I was there, of course the anointing was still on me. And I said something out of my mouth that I'm listening to, ooh, that's good, that's good. And I, I never saw it before or heard it before. And out of my mouth before I could say anything, just by inspiration, says no. No, the reason he doesn't speak to me about giving because I'm generous. He doesn't have to talk to me to give. And then all of a sudden when I said that, the Holy Ghost kind of jumped in my spirit. And all of a sudden, he, he showed me the tale of two women. He showed me the differences between two women in the Bible. Just like Abraham and Lot, the tale of two men. And the differences, their philosophy of giving and how it affected their life. And so... This is what I, by the grace of God, with your help this morning, am going to share with you the tale of two women. Now, the first woman, woman, we looked at a lot during our supernatural supply, and she is the first lady in our story. So, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 17. We are going to look at, first of all, the widow woman. 
the widow woman. Now, the widow woman, we can give her another name, the poor woman. She didn't have very much. And so we're going to look at her story and see what we can learn from it. In 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 8, and this is familiar uh, to us because we've been looking at this quite a bit, and actually by the Holy Ghost, we were kind of stuck on the story because there's things the Lord was trying to get over to us, and we learned many lessons. And it says this, And the word of the Lord came to him, this is Elijah, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I've commanded a widow woman to sustain thee. So he rose and went to Zarephath, and he came to the gate of the city, and behold, a widow woman was there gathering of sticks, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. As she was going to fetch it, he called her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel bread in thy hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise, and behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in, dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me a little cake first, and bring it to me. And after, make it for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord spake by Elijah. So we, here we have the biblical account of the first woman that we can call the widow woman. But we also can see by her circumstance in life, not only was she a widow woman, she was a poor woman. From her own mouth, I have nothing. And, you know, we, we, the little we have, we're going to eat it, and then we're going to die. So she had very, very little. So, so we, we can call her the widow woman or the poor woman. And again, we looked at this, learned many principles. But the thing we want to see is God helped her. God helped her in her poverty. God helped her where she was, and God supplied her needs supernaturally. And there are s several laws we learned about putting God first, about sometimes sacrifice, about not despising the little we have. The little we can have is a seed that we can sow and meet a need. So the, the little she had, she gave, and it produced a great harvest and fed her uh, and her family for many, many days. And so that's the account of the first woman. We're going to refer back and forth, but I just want to read these accounts to get them in your mind, and then we'll, we'll touch base on the differences of these two women. Now we're going to look at the second woman. Who is the second woman? It's found in 2 Kings chapter 4. And uh, we're going to call the second woman what the Bible calls her. The Bible calls her a great woman. So we have a widow woman who's poor, and we have a great woman, and guess what? The great woman is what? Rich or 
prosperous. Two ends of the spectrum. And we read or count 2 Kings chapter 4. And again, we're doing a little bit of reading, but it's important that you understand the narrative here. 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 8. And it fell on a day that Elijah passed to Shunem, and there was a great woman, hence her title. The Bible calls her great. And she constrained him to eat bread, and it was so that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said to her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is a holy man of God which passes by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall. Let us set for him, them, there for him a bed, a table, a stool, a candlestick. And it shall be, when he cometh to us, he shall turn in thither. You've got to love the King James. And it fell on a day, and I just love that phrase, fell on a day, that he came thither, and he turned in the chamber and laid there, and said to Gehazi his servant. So Elisha says to his servant Gehazi, call this Shunammite woman, that's the, the great woman. And when he called her, he stood before him, she stood before him, and he said to him, say now to her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldst thou be spoken to the king or the captain of the host? She answered, I dwell amongst my own people. You know, I, I really don't have need of anything. I, I'm well off. I'm, I'm in good standing. And he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi the servant said, answered, Verily she, is no, she has no child and her husband is old. And he, Elijah, said, Call her. And when he had called her, she, that great woman, stood at the door. And Elijah said, About this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, nah, my, No, my Lord, don't lie to me. And the woman conceived, bare a son, at the season Elisha said that would come to her according to the time of life. And so here we see another miracle. The poor woman, the widow woman, received food during the time of famine. And here the great woman received a miracle. She wanted a child. That was her heart's desire. Uh, they tried, they tried, they, 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 they consulted, they if they had Googled back then, they would have Googled how, how to have a child, you know, take this, do this, on, under this moon, or, you know, and so forth. But over and over again, they tried and failed. No natural way. And now they're getting older, her husband's a little too old, and uh, it, it, it seems impossible. And aren't you grateful what seems impossible with men is possible with God. Now, what we're going to begin to do in, in our short time together, I should start saying I'm fixing the close, but that's not even close. That was my introduction. Is see the differences between these two women. And it, it's very important because you, you, you see a, a woman that is poor and struggling and want to see why she's poor and struggling. And want to see a woman that's great or prosperous and we're going to see why she is great and prosperous. It's no mistake. These things are recorded in the Word for our learning. The Holy Ghost wanted us to see this. Just, just like with Abraham and Lot, the, the reason was recorded 
is because of the thinking and decisions that Abraham Lot did made the huge difference. Where Abraham became great and prosperous, where Lot lost everything and his life led down the path to destruction because of his thinking and his actions. And the same thing here with the tale of two women. Of course, the first difference we see right away, and we pointed out, is their financial situation. The widow woman is struggling to meet, have ends meet, and the great woman's on the other end of the spectrum. Uh, she is well off and fully supplied. You know, and so some of us here, we may associate more with the, the poor woman. You know, I, you know, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in great need. We may associate more with her, or maybe you, you, you've done well in business, uh, and uh, you know, you got things paid off, and you associate more with the great woman. But the good news is, it, it doesn't matter with God. God is no respecter of persons, because a lot of times we we say, well, God only helps the poor, not the rich. You know, if you read the Bible, it almost seems contrary. Very often the poor, because of their ill thinking, kind of rob God from moving their situation. You can read that in the book of Proverbs. There are principles that lead to prosperity. But there are also things that we can do and say that would lead to poverty. And we're going to see in this tale of two women that uh, uh, principles and the, the way they think determine how much God could move in their life and, and determine their, their financial well-being. And so um, we see a difference here. But the big difference, the big difference we're going to look at is their approach to giving. And we're going to see that's a, a big thing. Let's go again to the widow woman. Who's the widow woman? She is the poor woman. Now, the poor woman... No doubt, because of the way she was raised and the current economic situation, we can see by the account in the Bible, she had a poverty mindset. We, we see it. We're, we're not guessing. We're not speculating from, from her own mouth. I have nothing. Everything is bad. Even when it came to gathering sticks. Sticks were free. They were in abundance. And says, I'm just going to gather two sticks. I may eat it, and what's going to happen? I am going to die. No doubt that's where the hee-haw got song. Doom, gloom, and what? Agony on me. All right. And her poverty mindset affected her thinking and affected her giving. And, and we, we, we see this here. And we're going to look at this account that because the way she thought and, and the way, way she saw things, it affected how that she wanted to give. Now, very interesting, we live, and most people don't know it, we live in an area that is very heavily set in poverty, in a poverty mindset. That's why we encourage folks of you, those of you that raised here all your life, get out of town at least once, if not once, twice. Go to a bigger city. Go to a place that is prosperous. It'll put something bigger in you. Because, you know, we can say, Duncan Verdonia, you can leave and come back in 10, 20 years. 
there's not much that's changed. We got a roundabout. You know, instead of this being a Perkins, now it's a Denny's. Instead of this being this store, it's now this store. And it, it just flip-flop, flip-flop, and, and nothing much has changed. Now, I'm privileged to, to go to big cities, go to conferences. You, you, you go to San Diego. To, every time you go, Miss Christie, you're here with us. Hey. And uh, you, you can attest. I mean, every time you go, oh, there's a new development. There's more homes coming up. That, you know, look at what they're doing. And just, it's like money flows in abundance. And you get underneath the, that, that setting, that mindset, all of a sudden, your, your perspectives change. What you used to think used to be a big amount? No, oh, that's nothing. And so this area, really, uh, many, many people, even they don't realize it, uh, are, are like the widow woman and uh, have a poverty mindset. Now, we're not throwing stones because you, you're looking at Number one contender of poverty mindset, how I was raised. You know, maybe some of your raisers are like, we can't afford that. We can't do that. You know, all your friends have this. No, we can't. You know, we, we, we're not made out of money. You know, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. And, uh, you, you know, then when we went to church, because you can't, you can't, you know, we weren't the traditional church. When it came to offering, we couldn't. You know, you know, the bucket goes by, you put a few dollars in. That way the priest didn't call you, you know, a few dollars. And if you had a good week, you put in the five. And you just, you bring that out. And you kind of waved it a little bit. The, ooh, they put a $5 pill in the offering. I'm, I'm going to know what I'm talking about. You know, just, and we can go on and on. You know, we could take a whole message and, and talk about a poverty mindset. You know, um, one way you can look at it is how, how you take care of your car and your homes and your yard. You'll, you'll notice the poor trash things. The rich take good care of things. There's a mindset. And the book of Proverbs says there, there's a way that, that, that tends to poverty. A thinking that tends to poverty. But also there's a, there, there's a mindset that tends to prosperity. And so this widow woman... It is a role example of poverty. And because of her poverty mindset, it affected her giving. Where do we see it in verse 12? If you can have that up real quick. Remember, the, the prophet God says, I, I just need something to eat. Notice what she said. As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not... And that's what people in poverty, I, I don't have anything, I don't have anything, I can't give, I can't do this, I can't do that, I don't have the money, we can't get that, we can't go there, we're not made of money, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise, and behold, I'm gathering two sticks, that we may go, dress it means fix it up, that for me and my son, us two, nobody else, and we're going to see that's a poverty mindset, it's selfishness. All my money goes to me, my needs, you know, me first, me first, me first, my thing first, you know, with no thought of anybody else, that we may eat it and die. Her focus on what she didn't have, she, she thought broke, she has nothing to give, and so she was very reluctant to give anything uh, in the offering. You know, and I, again, I wish I could, I could uh, talk a whole lot along this line. You know, the Bible warns us about covetousness. 
But you know who tend to be the most covetous people? Are poor people. You know, that, you know they, that they're covetous, they hold on. Really, this woman was covetous. She wanted to hold on. No, this is mine. This is mine. You can't have mine. 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 Someone ought to do that in a DreamWorks. Uh, <laughs> if you saw that. What, what was that show? Mine, mine, emo. Emo. Finding Nemo. The seagulls. Mine, 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 mine. Yeah, and there are, are two strong components in the Word of God. There, there is desire and there is despising. What you desire, a godly desire, God will bring, He gives you what? The desires of your heart. And the Bible speaks strong. It's, it's opposite desire, it's despise. And um, poor people tend to despise rich people. People in poverty despise those who are prosperous. It's a poverty mindset. And what you despise, mark this, you will never have. God gives you the desires of your heart. And what you despise, that is a spiritual force. And I've seen people, they despise and make fun. Oh, they, they live in that part of town. And, and, you know, who knows how. They, and they despise and despise and despise. And they will never be rich because of their poverty mindset. So this, this woman, this widow woman, Thought poverty, acted poverty, spoke poverty. Remember, importance of what we think is what we believe, what we believe is what we do, and what we do is what we'll have. This woman thought small, poverty, and it showed up in her life. Now let's look at the great woman. She wasn't poverty-minded. She was prosperity-minded. Instead of focusing on hoarding and this mine 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 like the poor woman did she was looking for opportunities to give now in verse 8 and it fell on a day as elisha passed to shinnom there was a great woman and she constrained him to eat bread and it was so that as oft as he passed by he turned in thither to eat bread this is awesome the tail to one. The poor woman had very little. Can, can, prophet of God, can I have a little bit? Mine, 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 mine. And had to, had to be convinced just to give a little. Mine, mine. This great woman constrained. Here, let me feed you over and over and over again. Poverty? No. No, I don't want to get... You know, the prophet God had to constrain her to give. That way God can help her. But the great woman, there's no mention of God saying anything to her. And God calls her great. Because he said, no, here, see, no, no, we don't want to... We don't want any community. No, no, you're going to sit. We're going to put the best out. We're going to give. And it, she did this continually over and over again. Can you see the difference? Widow woman. You ever see Scrooge? <laughs> or this woman. Here, sit down. Feed you some more. Here, 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 take some food to go for your next journey. And make sure you stop by. Every time you're in town, you stop by. I'm going to take care of you. Yeah. Tale of two women. 
poor versus rich. She thought differently. Therefore, she gave differently. And therefore, she lived differently. This woman understood the keys to prosperity. Years before her time, a very wise king lived that God gave supernatural wisdom to. And God made him the richest king because he was the wisest king in all the earth. His name was Solomon. Listen to the wisdom of Solomon. Now, I don't know if this great woman ever read the, the writings of King Solomon, but thank God we have in the Bible. Proverbs 11, 24 through 25. There is he that scattereth, means gives out. And what? Increases. There is that that withholdeth more than needs. And guess what? It leads to what? Poverty. Prosperity. Poverty. A liberal soul or a generous soul shall be made fat. Now that doesn't mean that, you know, I'm not going to be generous because I'm trying to lose some weight. It's talking about Fat with abundance, not fat of, you know, physical uh, bodily weight. And he that watereth shall be watered. This great woman scattered much. Oh, every time, give and give and give. And here it says, there's he that withholds. And what does it lead to poverty. This is why the poor woman was poor. She thought poor. She gave poor. She, she canceled herself from the prosperity of God. Because the kingdom of God is the man she cast seed in the ground. She was stingy. She withhold it more than she could. And it, it showed up. Her life in poverty. Yeah. There's a reason why people are poor. There's a reason why people are rich. Is this a Presbyterian convention? or Now, let's go on. Let's look at some things that came by revelation. And, and this is awesome. This is going to help you. The poor woman, woman, the widow woman, God had to tell her to give. Now, get this. God told Elijah, I have commanded that widow woman to feed you. And so when Elijah comes to town and says, hey, can I have some of the food? Oh, no, 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 no. This is for me and my son. I, I don't have anything to give. God spoke to her and she was disobeying God. And here... The prophet of God had to preach her a little sermon. Tried to encourage her. God is trying to help you, ma'am. He's not trying to rob you. You know, tithing. You know, there's people that, are, that hung up on tithing. God has to say, just prove me. I'll open up the windows of heaven. I'll pour out a blessing if you would just give. And here God... And the prophet has to preach and exhort and, say, and, and give her a promise. The Lord is going to do something if you'll give over and over again just for her to, oh, okay. Yeah. 
Now, that's why by revelation, someone asked me, it says, does the Lord always tell you to give? No. Because I, I want to be like the great woman. Very rarely does God tell me to give. You know, when we, we gave $10,000 milk or crusade, God didn't tell me to do that. I, I wanted to give. I, I want to put seed in the ground. I want to help. And, and over and over throughout my life that, uh, you know, God hasn't really need to tell me because I like to give. Yeah. Then one time, you know, even when I was muzzled severely as a pastor and had very I was very generous. And then God began to open up things for me and I began to prosper and I brought it before the Lord. I said, Lord, what, what do you want to do? Now, now I actually have money to pay my bills. I have actually left over. You know what the Lord said to me? Be generous like you always have been. That's why he doesn't talk to me. And so when a preacher comes up to do what God says, it's just simply he's addressing the people that are in poverty, poverty mindset. Because the New Testament says, let every man give as what? He purposes in his heart. Well, this, this woman had a closed heart, this poverty. And so you had to pry and pry. God is not trying to steal from you. He's trying to get something over to you. Where this great woman, her heart was open. Oh yeah, just come over and over again. We'll just, we'll just fill you up. We'll fill your gas tank up. We'll feed your, your, your donkeys. Yeah. People that obey the Lord in tithing and giving are poor. I've been in ministry, pastoring here 35 years. People that tithe and are generous are well off. People that are hit and miss, sometimes they don't. They struggle, struggle, and struggle. And they wonder why. This is your answer. Yeah. Yes. The great woman, God didn't need to tell her. She was generous. She was always looking for an opportunity to give. Put, go ahead and put uh, 2 Corinthians 9.7. Every man according to purposes in heart. No, it's not what God says. What's in your heart? See, when you have a prosperous heart, a generous heart, God don't need to talk to you. You just, boo! God so loved, what did He do? He gave. When you love, and you love God, love people, you give, God doesn't need to tell you. No, don't get me wrong, there's times He does. But just, let, let me help you. All right. You parents, which is better? That you have to continually tell your child to clean the room? Or a child says, you know what? Mom and dad like my room clean. I'm going to go ahead and clean my room without being told. Yeah. We're getting some help in this Presbyterian convention. Yeah. The widow woman purposed in her heart not to give. God had to chisel his way under that poverty thinking, that lack. And I'm trying to help you in your poverty. Your answer is not a handout. Your answer is planting a seed. You have to give for me to bless and prosper you. Where there's a great woman. Whoo! Whoo! Come again. Come again. Every time you're here, I want to take and full meals. Prosperous woman. Well, I have a little bit. Here you go. Yeah. yeah. 
Again, this is not supernatural supply, but how many know this, this will finish it up? All right. Now, do, do, do. Symbols, please. Poverty, prosperity, how they thought, how they gave. God had to speak, convince, wave promises. If you'll do this, I'll help you. Just take a little step of faith. Where this great woman, no, God didn't need to have to tell her. But there's also another great difference. The difference is in the mountain they gave. Now, now we've, we've gone from a Presbyterian convention to in a monastery out in the mountains with a vow of silence, of deep meditation. The widow woman had very little. Hence what? After much convincing, gave little. All right? Now, to be balanced, you can only give what you have. See, that woman had a seed that can meet her needs, but had to be convinced and shown and get her mind thinking and her given thinking. You need to give in order to receive a harvest. And so... We, we, we learned that you should never despise your seed. Remember the widow woman in the New Testament. She gave what? Two mites. Jesus said she gave more than all the rich men put together. See, with God, per se, it is not the amount. It's the percentage. The percentage. And see, when, when you, you look at your giving, what is your percentages of your giving? Some people are, bless God, tied to the penny. This, a tithe, this more, no more. You know, just put it in, tied, and that, that is it. Well, that's, that's your thinking. That's, that's your limiter. Yeah. But a generous soul, a generous heart, doesn't give and just the, the minimal that I, I can get away with. Ooh. I'm looking for more opportunities to give beyond my tithe. All right? This, this, the widow woman gave a little bread. This great woman not only gave meal after meal after meal and taking care of all everything that he had need of. Listen to this. Verse 8. And I love that. I, I think we ought to use this phrase, it fell on a day. Next time someone wants to make an appointment, Pastor God said, it, it fell on a Thursday. <laughs> After continual, full feasts and taking care, weeks and months giving continually, casting your bread upon the waters. Big difference between a little bread... And fell on day, Elisha passed to Shinnom, and there was a great woman constrained him to eat bread. Notice, she had to constrain him to eat here, where the poor woman, he had to constrain her to give. As oft as he passed by, he turned thither to eat. And she said to her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God, which passes by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall. Let us set there a bed, 
a table, a stool, a candlestick, and it shall be when he cometh us, he shall turn in what? Thither. Not only continually a big difference, but she gave a big one-time gift. You know, we can read this and say, oh yeah, they, they just went in the barn and, and fix something. No, no. They put an addition onto their home. They built a room. They furnished it. Not, and, you know, with bed, table. And they furnished it. And they, they built a, a prophet's room. Just for him, if he needs some time in between meetings to sit there and rest. And of course, you know, he, she fed him. Took care of him. And what do you need? You know, like the, the women that follow Jesus ministered to him out of their substance. Yeah. Not only continually, but big gifts. See, everyone ought to have privilege. And again, we're not taking offering. I'm, I'm, this is to help us break a, the privilege of sowing a big gift you never sowed before. Yeah. Oh, it does something to your faith. Like how many cars have you given away? Oh, no, never. I, I, I got to count how many cars I've given away. You know, the Bible says, let, let's go ahead and put that up here. Because I, I got to close and my notes are all, all over the place. All right. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 or 11. I got to fix the close somewhere. But this I say, he that soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. Widow woman. Okay. Okay. I'll tithe, but I'm going to I put down to the penny. God will take care of it. Thank God. But he that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. We determine how, how well we off. Continue to read on. Every man has purpose in heart, so let him give. God, not grudgingly of necessity, poor, poverty-minded people, grudgingly of necessity, but God loves a cheerful giver. They amplified, amped to do it, wanting to do it. Let's read the next verse. And God is able to make what? All grace. The widow woman didn't have all grace. She sowed a little... And so God used her seed. She got a harvest of the little she sowed. And she was just able to eat. While the prophet was there. But we see this, this great woman. All grace abound toward Always having all sufficiency. And all things may abound in every good work. You know what that means? You have plenty of money for yourself. Plenty of supply for yourself. And you're giving to others. Verse 9. New Testament. As written, he is dispersed. That means given abroad. Given to the poor. And I love this. His righteousness endureth forever. You know what that means? Not only his good deeds are remembered, but his righteousness here means the ability to give. His ability to give will last forever. God, no, I'm not done yet. God will fund your giving habit. This great woman, you notice, she just kept giving meal, meal, and now she's adding additions to her house because God blessed her and prospered her. And let the next verse do I give, did I give you the next? 
Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and he will multiply your seed sowed and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Every seed he increases, every seed. Poor woman, very little. She determined the measure that God could help her. She only ate off of that seed. That's all she got. Where this great woman had the ability meals and to take care of them. I'm adding addition. How much are additions in our homes? You're looking minimal, close to 100,000 nowadays. Just say, and it wasn't for her, it was for someone else. Yeah. See, Pablo, oh, I, I, I could never do that. Well, that's why you're poor. Yeah. Now, there, there's so much. I wish I had time to, to show you some other things about a mindset. Maybe, maybe some other time. Man. <laughs> I don't think it would be a good message for the park for people to listen in. Okay. The woman received a son, received a miracle, the great woman. Now, because of the course of time, in each case, the sons died. The poor woman, now I'd love to share this. I'd love to share it, but I'm just going to tell you. The poor woman blamed the church, blamed God. How can you do this? You've come to slay my son. That's poverty mindset. Blaming and being offended at your boss. Being offended at your rich uncle that he gave you. Being offended. It's, you know, it's a mindset. She blamed. She blamed the very thing that caused her to prosper. Now the, the great woman. Oh, I wish we had time to read the story. Her son died. <laughs> and there, there's so much in there. The steps, poverty, prosperity. Uh, she, she put her child in the prophet's room that she'd built. And she went after the man of God. It was 15 to 20 miles. Some people can't get out of their bed to come to church. And they wonder why God doesn't do anything for them. Yeah. And she said as well, and she came, she didn't blame the man of God. She says, you promised me a son. And then remember, I didn't, you promised me a son. And, and, and he raised her child from the dead. Difference of thinking, and a lot we can hear. But I got to close. Like I said, <laughs> um, where's my notes? Poverty, prosperous. Gave little, reap little. Gave much, reap much. This poor woman, once the, family, once the man of God left, her miracle stopped. There's no mention in the Bible anymore of God doing anything prosperous for her. Now get this. I have it here and I am closing. We saw that God will abound in all grace, all sufficiency, continually. His righteousness endures forever. Now get to 2 Kings chapter 8 and verse 1. If you can have that on the overhead screen, please. 2 Kings chapter 8 verse 1. Then Elisha's 
said to the woman, this great woman, whose son had he restored to life, Arise, go thou in thy household, and sojourn wherever thou canst sojourn, for the Lord has called a famine, and he has also called upon the land seven years. So there's going to be seven years of famine. Bad economic times. And the woman rose and went after the singing man of God. He warns her about a famine coming. And you know what she does? She packs up. She goes on vacation for seven years. Why everybody that stayed is struggling. She's living high on the hog. She, she is avoiding this, this recession, this depression. Why did, he get, why did she get that information? Because of her righteousness, her giving. And the woman arose and then after the seeing the man of God, and she went with her house and sojourned in the land of Philistine seven years. And it came to pass at the seven years' end that the woman returned to the land of the Philistines. She went forth to cry to the king for her house and her land. You know, because she wasn't there. You know, the tax evaders, you know, they, they, they took it over. Oh, she vacated it. She left, so we're going to take it over. So she says, no, no, I, I'm back. I'm here. I went on vacation for seven years. All right? And the king talked with Gehazi. Now, Gehazi was Elisha's servant. The servant of the man of God. said, And the king was asking Elisha about all the miracles under Elisha's ministry. And at this time, he, he's telling him all the things, great things that Elisha had done. Verse 5. And came to pass as he was telling the king how he restored a dead body to life. That at that same time, that woman came in and cried for her house of land. And Gehazi said, King, that's her. Her son was raised from death. We were just talking about her. Divine coincidences. Verse 6. And the king asked the woman and told him, so the king appointed a certain officer saying, Restore all that was hers, all the fruits of the fields since the day she left and even till now. Seven years of vacation, avoided what everyone else gone through. She comes back and she gets a seven-year paycheck. Bam! Everything restored, nothing missing, nothing lost. Why did God do that for her? Is he a respecter of persons? Her giving, her giving, her giving, her giving. That is my message, brothers and sisters. May my fruit remain. Let's bow our heads real quick again. I know I went a little long, but what else is new? If I had nothing to say, I'd be like other preachers and end in 20 minutes. But I got something to say. And so real quick, heads bowed, eyes closed. Real quick. Is there anybody here you don't know Jesus? Or you're backslidden? Those of you online. You don't know Jesus. We need to read that King. Raise your hand. Anybody here? Real quick. Anybody? Anybody? I know it's sun, in summer. People are on vacation and our faithful are here. But if you're watching online and you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, go ahead right now and pray this prayer. Lord, I believe Jesus is your son. He died for me and rose again from the dead. I believe on him in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to go ahead and turn it over to our worship team. And uh, then after the worship team, we're going to go ahead with uh, licensing.